Hello, this is SBO Perspectives, and I am Jack Mitchell, here along with the esteemed John Bricado. He's always esteemed. So now, this episode, as I always say, you know, these episodes are very timely. These episodes are critical. This, all listeners, my friends, you will not be disappointed. Timely information to put into action use right now. This is really a little bit more in, in time as well, right, John? What we know we have for, for our time frame and more folks on as well. We have a handful of folks, literally, who are going to speak to cybersecurity. And really, I think that this this is a special, a very, very special podcast episode. So, John, why don't you go into... Yeah, we, we brought together uh, a few individuals today. We, we have four guests, you know, a little bit larger than we're, we're used to. So as Jack said, this is a little bit lengthier of an episode, but, you know, we get into specifically who's on the podcast in the interview, but we have representatives from IGI, who are a cybersecurity firm, uh, Naraki Smith, an auditing firm, and then an uh, individual from NIBEST on the insurance side. And, you know, the, the four or five of these individuals really kind of lay out the importance of cybersecurity, what the threats are, what the trends are, and what we as school business officials can do to really mitigate any potential issues down the road. So it's a, you know, pretty complicated, pretty heady episode, but I think they do a really nice job breaking everything down. So here's our interview on cybersecurity. Today on the podcast, we have quite the lineup, more guests than I think we've ever had concurrently. So bear with me as I run through our our guest list today. We have Paul Robinson, National Sales Director for IGI, Chad Walter, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at IGI, Jim Ambrosini, Cybersecurity Consultant at IGI, Demetrius Bentasakis, Director of Internal Audit Groups at Naraki Smith, and Eric Gilbert, Managing Director at NIBEST. That was a lot. Welcome, gentlemen, to the podcast. We appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, gentlemen. Wow. I mean, this is a really special episode, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I can't even count how many on here, John. (laughs) But this is great. So we want our listeners to know as you come on how important uh, this episode is and timely. You know, this is cybersecurity, right? We've heard so many stories in the news and the press about, you know, incidences of breaches, ransom, all, you know, you name it. So you know, I, I mean, just giving a quick backdrop, we know that like district IT teams, mostly like maybe 10 years ago, it was really just to keep the machines running, right? And do the backups. But now it's a lot more. The evolution with a district's audit committee, you know, looking at also an accountant, that's why we have um CPA firm in the Rocky Smith one with Demetrius. It's really a situation where, you know, the pen test and cybersecurity audits, the NIST gap analysis, we're going to get into all that. But I wanted to start off, which is a general question, right? Why do school districts need to worry about information security nowadays? Well, sure. I'll, I'll jump in there. This is Chad with IGI. And, and it's it's complex and simple all at the same time, but we, we mm. live in an internet world, whether it's whether it's our, our children, our teachers, our staff, it's all the all the content that, that, that school districts protect and that they also leverage to to accomplish their job. And you know we've got we've got a whole host of, of, of compliance requirements, laws, mandates, et cetera that are out there that you know, whether it's SIPA, FERPA, ed law, but it ultimately comes down to 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 the controlled data. It comes down to privacy. It comes down to being able to smoothly operate as a as a as an education facility, as a business and and trust in the in the community. Yeah, and I, I would like to add too that you know there is the regulation and the compliance component, but there's also 
the fears that you know we see now from our clients in the school districts in the fear of the breach you know where it's becoming a major community concern and it reflects you know the board and the management perceptions on their cybersecurity controls simple mistakes you know can become a breach you know from emailing a list of students to the wrong person and throughout you know the last two the cyber attacks that we know of that you know have been made publicly you know, available like to information has increased you know dramatically you know just on long island you know there have been like you know 15 cyber attacks since 2019 and all in new york in general like you know there have been like 44 cyber attacks and the numbers keep growing so it is it is something to worry about and so why yeah, you- as, a, as a father oh sorry go ahead and so why do you feel that the numbers are growing? I mean, is it that, you know, because school districts are becoming more digital, information is power and having access to all of that data leverages the ability to resell that on, you know, the black market or what, what are we seeing just in terms of trends as to why those numbers are increasing? Sure, John, like, you know, the trends are increasing, as you said, you know, the school districts are more and more now digital, like, you know, from the COVID impact that we had, you know, a lot of school districts were forced, you know, to go to the digital world and, you know, provide one-to-one Chromebooks to the students and, you know, to the teachers to do online learning. And that was also something to consider. At that time, all the IT departments were focusing on, you know, on the operations and, you know, provide the, continuing the education, you know, to the students where cybersecurity wasn't like a major thought or didn't have the time you know to address it and during this two-year period the cyber hackers have become more and more sophisticated and they have find ways to infiltrate you know the the networks and you know cause ransomware attacks and steal data and you know lock information so and we're and you know we're not going back like you know we're going to continue this trend yeah jack, just, to go to, i was going to go say ahead. jack to go back to your original question you know i think we could distill this down to something very simple which is the safety of our children you know i'm a child i have, I have four children in my in my household that, that go to school and you know we we put a strict uh, a very strict emphasis on physical security in our schools we have metal detectors we have SSO officers, things of that nature. But we're having a hard time as a society to equate the, the damage and the, you know, the, the issues that could be caused with our children if their data is, is in the wrong hands. You know, credit checking our kids' information. You know, one of the increases, John, that I would say is that the attackers are now taking children's data to open up mortgages and open up auto loans. So when kids go to get their, uh, their college loans from FAFSA, they can't get it because they have a credit score of 100 and parents are wondering why, you know, so these are these are criminals that are preying on our children. And I think if we distill it down to that level, you know, it gives us a good rallying point for parents and administrators alike to, to bond together to protect our children and to make it that much of that issue, you know, to, to work together as possible. Jim, did you want to jump in? It looked like you wanted to yeah, say Jim, something. you want to say something. Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was just going to say that, you know, cybersecurity threats and attacks are increasing everywhere. A lot of the reasons, especially in schools, were what Dimitri talked about. I read a report which surprised me that 
the cyber attacks in the education sector were outpacing every industry. Typically, you would see that in banking or technology, et cetera. And I think part of that is because of the digital landscape that has, you know, everybody's online, you know, schools are upgrading, you know, different type of labs, a lot of technology, they all become points of attack. And also historically, prior to this law, they were not really a regulated environment. So all those things create a, a ripe target for cyber attacks. And, you know, Demetrius, you bring up an interesting point. You know, districts were forced to go fully digital, whether they were prepared to or not. Are you, is this team, are you seeing the results of that? You know, the, the priority was to stand up this technology and get it moving, maybe at the sacrifice of the security protocols that maybe otherwise would have been followed, but the priority was just to get the tech out there. Are you seeing that that's a major vulnerability now and that districts are dealing with that? I believe it is a, a vulnerability, you know, when you push out like thousands and thousands of devices, you know, it's hard to like secure and harden, you know, the controls, you know, for all of them and do it, you know, the proper way, you know, that, you know, and it's hard to control the activity, you know, that the students will be doing or the staff will be doing. And you know, when your IT department is so small, you know, in order to like be able to bring your cybersecurity controls into the level that you really need to protect the district, you need additional resources, manpower to address and monitor their activity and implement like good controls. So, it, you know, if and and. You know, those are resources that, you know, that, you know, school business officials, you know, and IT departments, you know, should be continuing discussing, you know, it could be a budget item, you know, or, or assess, you know, the budget impact that it will have. But, you know, the benefits will be, you know, tremendous, you know, because if you get a ransomware attack, you know, the cost will be, you know, very, very high. Right. So, so I want to kind of, this is critical, I think, uh, to really discuss the compliance aspect, right? We're talking about the IT teams and really schools will get to maybe some ideas on how we can get that together. But I guess, could you speak to what Ed Law Part 2D is? I know it's come out maybe about five years or so now. And then also the NIST framework. I think a lot of our viewers don't know, because even for me, before scheduling this, I knew some things, but I learning more and talking to you and your partners, see again the value of this podcast here sure i can start the conversation about the ed law and the nist you know framework uh, which you know it's uh, one you know tags to the other as well so as of january of 2020 the new york state education department implement you know this you know regulatory change and to increase the information security and data privacy you know pro- protocols for personal identifiable information, you know, the PII, you know, your acronym that we you know, commonly use now. And that's specifically for students and, you know, instructional staff. What is it, what does it mean? You know, so the ed law means, you know, to have procedures in place, you know, how we collect the data, how transparent we are. You know, we have to assign a data protection officer to be responsible for the compliance. We have to be in compliance with the Parent Bill of Rights, have data security policies, and have standards. The standards, which is very critical here, pertain to the NIST cybersecurity framework. 
So in essence, you know, if we want to be in compliance with the Ed Law 2D from the New York State Education Department, we have to be in compliance with the NIST cybersecurity framework. So we have to be in compliance with those standards. And how are we going to be in compliance? You know, we have to do an analysis. We have to do what we call the NIST gap analysis, where it identifies, you know, where we are now and where we need to be. You know, we look at these gaps and we find ways to close them and, you know, improve the cybersecurity maturity model. And that comes, you know, by looking, you know, how we go about, you know, the inventory of items, how we go about the management of the third party, you know, you know, web applications that we have or the third party providers that we contract with, how we go about the training, which is a very important part, you know, for users, you know, about cybersecurity. That will increase, you know, their maturity level too. And how we go about your know, reporting, you know, if there's a breach going on, you know, we as a school district, we are responsible to notify you know, the people who got affected, the, the community, but also the state. If we don't, there's, you know, penalties involved too. And that could be an increased cost, you know, since, you know, we're talking about to school business officials. So, you know, the NIST framework is, you know, developed by the federal government and it's a widely adapted framework you know, utilized by many organizations, including school districts. And it's something that school districts can follow. They understand what they mean. Um, there are 18 controls. Each of these 18 controls have like self safeguards. In total, there are 150 safeguards. So when you do a NIST gap analysis, it's a very extensive audit, you know, to do. But the results are tremendous. You know, they give you an exact picture where you are and where you want to be. And it gives like good recommendations of how to improve those controls. One of the things that it also did was it expanded the role of responsibility for cybersecurity inside of our school districts. So we alluded to the fact that, you know, it usually would fall to tech directors and that's one person and maybe they had a junior uh, network admin associated with them and they were responsible for all of cybersecurity. The beauty of the compliance, and I know, you know, organizations tend to be like, oh man, compliance, I'm gonna have someone like Demetrius come in and audit me and it's uncomfortable and everything. It's like, but no, what this did was, I think of one school that I worked with and we were in a room talking about their results from the, C uh, the, the CSF assessment that we did. And you had health and student records in there, HR in there, finance in there, you know, the principal in there, chancellors, and everybody wrapped their hands around the fact that, hey, we have to be responsible for cybersecurity and risk in our organization. And it took a lot of the pressure off the technology people. And they just focused on technology. You know, it's a triad when it comes to the NIST framework. It's people, process, and technology. So technology just focused in on what they needed to. People in process went to the business units and they were able to execute that properly throughout the district and, and made for a, you know, a, a, better, a better environment for the students and, and less stress for tech directly. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to add one quick thing on the NIST framework, just by way of background. It actually, the NIST cybersecurity framework, NIST CSF, which is what this law, you know, this new standard is, is based on a requirement actually came out in 2014 and was designed to protect critical infrastructure for the U.S. government. Correct. It was then revised in 2016, a couple of different aspects to it. At that time, 
it became more of a de facto standard for a lot of businesses. In fact, it's a requirement if you're a publicly traded company on the SEC, you know, the SEC mandates that you comply with, with this NIST. And it's, it, it covers cybersecurity controls across five domains, identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. So it's essentially a catalog of control objectives that deal with how you would, let's say, identify the assets that you want to protect, the various type of protection mechanisms, whether it's encryption, access controls, et cetera, all the way to being able to detect cyber incident and ultimately recover. So it's actually, it's a very robust standard. Quite frankly, there's a lot of large companies uh, that make, you know, that, that have difficulty implementing every piece of it. You know, it's not designed to be a prescriptive framework. In other words, you don't need to implement everything. It has to be risk-focused and based on the institution's relative degree of cybersecurity risk. So there's actually a lot that goes into it, but it is a very good standard and, and very appropriate and adaptable. And in your experience, do you feel that school districts are aware of this framework or is this something that's kind of new? And if, if, if they aren't aware, where can school district officials, I guess, mainly school business officials and tech directors, where can they get more information on this framework and how to implement it? Yeah, I'll just say that I don't think that school districts really are aware of this yet, even though the requirement has been there for, for a number of years. And I think the best place to start, if you just did a search for uh, NIST uh, quick start guide, it would take you to the NIST site and you could pull down, I think it's like a three or four page document from NIST that outlines those parameters, you know, identify, protect, detect, respond, recover, and very easy term without getting into all of the specifics. And a school district could take a look at that and in plain English, read through it and go, hmm, yeah, we're, we're gonna be, have a problem here, or we need to, you know, to put in some serious controls here where we, may ha- we might have things covered. Typically, I would say this, any organization, whether they were a publicly funded education system or a $200 million you know, company, you know, for-profit company, will have a difficult time adhering to these things going from, where, from a starting point. One thing, last point I wanted to make about NIST, it, it has a, a maturity model associated with it. So in other words, companies and organizations start at what's called level one, which is initial, Meaning for those type of controls, things are managed very ad hoc. They don't have policies. They don't have governance. And it takes them across a continuum to where they would be in a, quote, managed state where things would be in place, managed well, monitored, et cetera. And it would take quite a bit of time to get there. This is not a, a standard where you would just download it and then you know, force fit it in in like three months. This is probably a multi-year effort for most organizations to get to the level where they need to be. So they really need to start looking at this now. So Jim, you make a good point. I think awareness is critical. So being aware of your strength and your vulnerabilities as an IT director or as a school business official or just really school administrator in general and protecting student PII and important data, what kind of things can school districts do to kind of test their network and make sure that they're as secure as they can be, because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So having an outside entity kind of simulate an attack or, or something like that mm-hmm. uh, could be critically important to build up their, their strength against, you know, the bad guys that come, come down the road. So what, what are some things, what are some steps that districts can take? Yeah, well, I think one of the basic things would be either a vulnerability assessment 
or a penetration test. These are technically oriented scans done by people with, with a high degree of proficiency to really probe the network, either try to get in penetration, meaning coming from the, in, from the outside in, trying to gain access, um, also running scans on vulnerabilities, et cetera, which just look at inherent operating system vulnerabilities, which typically are, let's say, usurped by hackers. But I wanted to add one thing that in, in school districts, unlike any other industry, a vast uh, percentage of the attacks come from within, meaning they are students who are hacking grading systems, trying to change grades, may download a grading file, send it somewhere. That's, that's a breach. So they also have to think internally and make sure that they have even the basics, wireless security, encryption, you know, good access controls and good monitoring, because a lot of the, the attacks are from within, not as much as from without, it's for different reasons, but it still occurs at a higher percentage internal type of attacks than almost any other industry. So I, yeah, I wanted to jump in and just say, you know, we, we started off, right? We talked about the what, and then we talked about the why, and then now we're getting more into the how school districts can really, you know, tackle these issues and maybe getting back to the compliance side as well as even with chat a little bit here. You know, for me, I, I get what you're saying, but now where can school districts go to now start working on these things, right? To help us really maybe be able to respond to a critical situation, right? Or, or build a better appropriate defense. So I'm going to say, you know, from where do you, you know, you have to know where you are. And just like as any audit, you know, you start with a, you know, a risk assessment to understand, you know, where your risks are in, in the operations. So for our school district clients, you know, we advise them to do something similar, like, you know, start with your NIST gap analysis. Do, if you're not even ready for a NIST gap analysis, because as we said, it's a very extensive, you know, start with a cybersecurity readiness assessment. You know, something you know, simple to see first where you are and sure. see, you know, what do you need to do to do a NIST gap analysis? Because our, some of our clients, we do that. And, you know, they're making strides and efforts, you know, to get into compliance and they need time, you know, before they start doing the NIST gap analysis. But the NIST gap analysis will be a snapshot of, and a benchmark of where we are right now and, you know, where we need to be. And as Jim said, as, as Chad and Paul, you know, it's a continuous effort. Like, you know, we have to look at this at a minimum annually, you know, again, where we are and, re, you know, see whether we implemented the recommendations or anything has changed that, you know, needs to reflect, you know, the risks. We need to start, like, you know, assessing the controls and, you know, from there build on to it and, you know, yeah. provide metrics to the IT department, to the school business officials and to the board of you know where we are with our cybersecurity efforts and from my experience this has been welcome you know from you know from all the parties because you know you're as as jack you said like you know you have audit committees members mm -hmm. okay that they're not just like financial people they're it people too and they're really you know interested to know you know where we are with this you know cybersecurity and here's why the assessment. Go ahead, Chad. Yeah, go ahead, Chad. I was going to say. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, it is. It is. It's the old. It's the old adage. How do you eat an elephant? 
uh, one bite. And unfortunately, what causes paralysis in, in especially in in my experience working with with school districts, and, and I mentioned before we call my wife's an educator, and so I know firsthand the chaos that happened with the pandemic and some of the other activities. I know about the about the most dangerous device on a network is organic and a lot of times it's the it's the students internally and no it's not it's not uh it's not a ferris bueller situation because they're actually a lot a lot smarter these days they've got access to more but so back to the back to the you know how do you eat an elephant routine is that's that is just it it's kind of it's and that's where that's where the nist framework comes into play it's 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 do something and and that that assessment and we we do a lot of assessments whether gap assessments or risk assessments or compliance readiness assessments but that assessment the 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 fear is is that they're a mess and that assessment's going to come back and it's just going to be heaped on to the to the school district and so and so that fear will also cause not not taking that first step but but trust me that that first assessment to understand uh, exactly what the what your what your posture looks like today nine chances out of ten we do an assessment and they're actually in better shape than what they think they are they just have never put together organized strategy around it they have never approached it from a from a holistic logical method it's always been reactive Mm-hmm. And a lot of the cybersecurity challenge, a lot of what we need to get in front of is, is let's remove the reactive and the chaos that that causes and put, put some strategy to it. Put a, do the risk assessment, put together a plan to Jim's point. It's a, it's a journey to get to whether it's CSF compliant or what have you, but, but you have to start, you have to start at the beginning and you have to, you have to put together that plan, build that roadmap, execute on that roadmap also helps with your budgeting purposes. It also helps with your, your, your staff alignment because back to Jim and Demetrius and Paul and, and, and just rolling it all up, it's a culture. And that's what cybersecurity is. It is not a business unit any longer. It's not an IT problem. It's it's a it's a business culture, and in 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 and it starts from the school board and the school uh, administrators, and it involves HR, and it involves the finance department, and it involves the operations department, and and it does it actually involves the teachers, and right down at that grass that grass root. So how do we get that put together? Well, we get it all put together by, by developing a plan, understanding where our gaps are, addressing those gaps, put together a plan to, to reinforce and, and constantly make cybersecurity part of the day-to-day operational culture. You know, we were talking about kind of trends that we're seeing. And one of the trends that I've noticed is that a lot of school districts are starting to, if they haven't already, move a lot of their services to a hosted platform. So instead of hosting your own exchange mail server on-prem, you have it hosted somewhere with Office 365 or Google or something like that. And more and more applications are being hosted. I mean, even down to wireless controllers. Are you finding that when districts move to a hosted platform, is that reducing their vulnerability because they're not managing it on premise or does it really not matter at that point? No, because that's a, that's just a container for the data. The, the school is ultimately responsible for the data and the applications that they have. And that is something you know I, I want our listeners to really gravitate to and understand is the fact that you're not transferring risk by moving your services to the cloud. You know, the data is still your responsibility. So God forbid there's an O365 attack or an AWS, you know, attack, you cannot, it, it does not legally 
don't stand up to say, oh, well, it was in 0365, so I'm not responsible. You are responsible for the data. It's clear in the, you know, read your end user license agreement, which nobody does, a la Facebook and Twitter and everything. They wonder why happened, why things happen when they happen. You know, read that agreement and and know you are you are liable for that data 100%, no matter where it sits. Yeah, John, I just wanted to add one thing. If, if you ever did a podcast on biggest cybersecurity myths, one of the top ones would be I'm more secure because I moved my infrastructure to the cloud or, right. or outsourced it. It's, there's still a lot, let's Paul said, there's a lot of responsibility. It's a shared model. There's certain controls that need to be implemented and it's very important. They understand the contracts, what the service provider is gonna cover and whatnot. And also if the service provider is stating that they're gonna do certain things, how are they proving that? As you know, there's certain independent audit reports, SOC 2s or ISO reports, et cetera, that, that would attest to that. So vendor management is a whole nother topic, but that comes into play with these type of scenarios. It's a bouncy house syndrome. You know, you, go, you take our kids to the bouncy house and they provide you this wonderful location where your kids can go bananas on it. But you sign that little waiver at the bottom, like, hey, if little Johnny breaks his arm, we, we have nothing to do with it. You know, it's, it's the same thing. They're providing the environment. And that's all they're responsible for is, is the environment and the uptake of that. Other than that, it's, it's liability transmitted back to the, to the school. And this is something like, you know, an audit and a NISGAP analysis will assess, you know, and we'll look into, you know, the third party management, you know, the, the contracts, you know, the controls, you know, between, you know, the web applications and the district servers to make sure that it's, you know, ad adequate, you know, to provide, you know, data security. So it's safe to say that just because you move to the cloud, that doesn't solve all your issues. <laughs> no, by far. I think uh, what I'm hearing, though, the best thing is to reach out to your auditor, right? You know, your internal and start really getting on it. And if you're behind, I think that, you know, you have time. But, you know, for, for us, this is a pressing issue, I believe. Because, again, as what, what you've all stated, Paul, you know, Jim, Demetrius, and as well as Chad, that school districts are behind on this. So, and this is only ever increasing, right? With the number that you mentioned, Demetrius, and I think student records going for several hundred, you know, a piece, this is critical. So I'm glad you guys came on. As we wrap this up, we always ask for advice on the end, you know, any piece of advice, whether it be maybe what do you do if, if you get a, a cyber attack or, or just in general about the first steps you should take. But for SBOs, you know, our peers, we want them to really hear this and, and, you know, really take action and really have be successful in implementing what they need to protect their districts. Yeah, going back to what John said, you know, we, we started the trend to go to the network and what could we do to protect our networks? And you have to understand, especially under the NIST CFS framework, network is 30% of what it is that we need to be concerned about. So we talked to a lot of school districts and like, oh, I'll just scan my network and I'm okay. Demetrius hammered at home and, and I echo his sentiments as well start with that gap analysis because you know there, there are two things that come into play here one is the safety of our children and there are two words that ring true in cybersecurity, which is legal defensibility and so what we're seeing now is that when student records are uh, compromised and and parents are still learning about this now schools are going to be subject to class action lawsuits if you're not taking the proper channels to take care of student records and data. I know that sounds daunting and a little, you know, aggressive when I say that, but it's true. They, they, are, they are starting to take legal actions against districts, finding them, ne them negligent with the data of their children. So I would encourage all the SBOs 
to just get the plan in place. You know, if I told you to build a house and I put, you know, bricks and concrete and wood and shingles in an open field and say, go build it, clearly you're going to have a struggle with that. Clearly you're going to be behind, be behind the, the curve with that. But if you have the blueprint, which is that gap assessment, it's going to allow you to build that house in a proper way. And, and that's really what I want to encourage the SBOs to, to start, to start there and build right. off of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, one advice that I would like to say, you know, for the school business officials is that, you know, for the cybersecurity, there's no one single activity or a suite of goods and services that, you know, will provide you the best solution. It's actually like a conjunction of efforts, you know, between the IT department, the school business officials and the board, you know, to support, you know, the, the team, you know, to help, you know, put together, you know, what the IT department needs to implement, you know, in its, you know, cybersecurity. You know, like, you know, you know, if you talk to your IT director or your CIO, they will have like a, I guarantee you, they will have a wish list. You know, so listen to that wish list and see, you know, you know, what we're, what we're, and I guarantee you the most, the, the number one thing that they would say is like, they need people, they need, you know, resources to help with this. So, you know, like it takes a myriad of resources, you know, to you know, reduce, you know, the potential of like any malicious, you know, attacks or in cyber attacks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's been great. Yeah, um, we, we can't thank we, you enough for your time. I, you know, we, I don't know that we've ever had four people on at once. It, it went exceedingly <laughs> well. So, Jack, maybe we've got to bump it to eight next time. I don't know. See how many people we can get on. <laughs> it was a challenge, but I think it was well and as well served. This is a very, I want to call this a special edition here. You know, this, this, this is a critical again, you know, can't speak more to that. So. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for your time. We really yes. appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Wow, Jack, that was really something else. Unlike any episode I think we've had so far, it was great yeah. to hear from everyone. Uh, you know, Paul, Chad, Jim, Demetrius, Eric, they all did a great job really kind of mm -hmm. summing up the threats of cybersecurity. Yeah, I think that this really shows the importance too, right? And for us, you know, we, we alluded to it in the beginning that this was going to be a special episode and yeah. it definitely delivered and it will not disappoint. For those listening, there are a lot of points to take home and action on. And I think that, you know, for us, cybersecurity is always changing, but just to hear how, you know, they're going most throughout the schools, the records, and you utilizing students. I mean, obviously, you know, the criminals, they're always going to continue to, to, you know, to pretty much advance, right? And we're just trying to keep up with that. And so for us, here's something where we need to really, you know, adhere to and, and get on it. So yes, it's great. And uh, for those listening out there, you know, we, we really appreciate you listening each week. We have so many more things in store. And I think Extra Perspectives is just taking on to another level each and every episode. So well, thank you for listening. And with that, John and I are gonna sign up. We'll look for you next week. Thanks everyone.